0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Debrief on ABC News Live. I'm Kimberly Brooks. Thanks so much for joining us. We're giving you the latest on the devastating Easter Sunday bombings in Sri Lanka that left 290 people dead. We're also going to Ukraine, where we're looking at the newly elected president. That is literally no joke. Plus, we're checking in on the Sunday service that Kanye delivered at Coachella. But first, here are your headlines.
1: One year after leaving the Iran nuclear deal, the Trump administration announces that all countries will have to completely end their imports of Iranian oil or be subject to US sanctions. Our goal has been to get countries to cease importing Iranian oil entirely. Last November we granted exemptions from our sanctions to seven countries and to Taiwan. With this is to give our allies and partners to wean themselves off of Iranian oil and to assure a well-supplied oil market. Today I'm announcing that we will no longer grant any exemptions, we're going to zero. In announcing the decision, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the U.S. and other countries are prepared to fill the void so oil markets remain stable.
2: A memoir that music star Prince was working on when he died in 2016 is set to come out in late
3: October.
4: Topeka, Kansas zoo officials are waiting to ask a zookeeper why she was in a tiger's outdoor enclosure. The male Sumatran tiger attacked and mauled the woman Saturday. She suffered severe injuries and is still in the hospital, but is expected to recover. The officials say the tiger acted naturally and will not be put to sleep. In fact, he was back on display yesterday.
0: All right, we begin with the very tragic news out of Sri Lanka. It's hard to imagine, but 290 people were killed in a series of coordinated bombings on Easter Sunday that ripped through Sri Lankan churches and luxury hotels by seven suicide bombers. So I want to go to James Longman, who's live in Colombo, with the latest. Um, James, just to start, what was it like when you arrived into all of this chaos?
5: Well, Kimberly, you said it It was absolutely chaotic. Uh, We headed straight into the center of Colombo and to St. Anthony's church, which was one of the places that was targeted. Uh, Something like 24 people are known to have been killed there, but that was a number from yesterday. And as we know, these numbers uh, have been going up and it was extraordinarily chaotic. There were thousands of people in the street. We saw uh, men and women screaming with police, They were obviously very, very distressed. Possibly some of them had relatives inside. They didn't know who to turn to. But not uh, long after we arrived uh, at that place, about an hour or so afterwards, an enormous explosion rang through the buildings around us. It was uh, pretty scary being there. Some of the windows near us shattered. In fact, no one knew really what was going on. It turned out that just 150 yards away from where we were standing, uh, a controlled explosion took place on a van, uh, which was thought to be booby-trapped, had a number of explosives inside, some gas canisters. Um, It's thought that as police were trying to perform that controlled explosion, then the bomb uh, went off, and it was very, very loud, and I think underscores the fact that here tonight in Colombo, People are not sure if all the bombs that this terror group seems to have planted have been found. We're hearing reports of more controlled explosions going on uh, into the evening. So there's a real sense of unrest and uncertainty, I think, because as we were there, we kind of had the feeling that, well, all the locations had been secured, the emergency services had been moved, uh, had moved in and had secured the area. But really now tonight, there's a sense that this might not be over and people aren't sure uh, where the bombs might be coming next, if at all.
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrifying. Um, I want to know if you can give us anything, any information about um, some of the victims.
5: Well, tonight uh, we were as we were outside the building. We heard a few stories from some of the people nearby. I spoke to one man actually, who as soon as the explosion rang out, he lives opposite the church, and he ran down across the road into the church to to help uh, as much as he could. And he told us of one story, a woman heavily pregnant, who he helped out of that church, but he described there being blood all over the floor. He said he was getting people into vans uh, and away uh, to to, to further help uh, in the nearby hospitals. Uh, But we are also hearing about those who've been killed. And one of the first names to emerge, one of the first foreign names, uh, is Dieter Kowalski, an American from Denver. He had just arrived in the country uh, on a work trip He was working for Pearson, uh, and it's thought that as he was lining up for breakfast in the morning, uh, one of the bombs went off at the hotel where he was staying. That is just one name of the 290 people who've been killed here. We are going to hear many, many more going forward, I'm sure.
0: Very, very um, incredibly sad. Um, What do we know about the investigation? Um, There was word that officials knew about this beforehand, so this is sort of a delayed response responding to all of these attacks.
5: Yes, so at the moment, the authorities are saying that they believe a group, a local jihadist group, um, a local jihadist group called... uh, uh, a radical Muslim group called National Tawheed Jamaah um, is responsible but they're such a small group that it's thought that they they possibly um, you know they, they would have had help from outside of the country uh, possibly from an international terror network so that is what the uh, the government is saying here at the moment um, but interestingly there wasn't just one warning that there might have been a terror attack there were multiple warnings and I think we've got some sound lined up from someone who was nearby.
6: So there were two explosions that took place in a matter of a few seconds. When I heard the first one, uh, I frankly just thought it's a loud thunderstorm. Although uh, uh, the entire room started shaking. When the second blast took place was when I decided to go outside and have a look. uh, By outside, I mean just uh, peep out of the uh, uh, room uh, window and just see uh, what's happening. Uh, But even from the 25th floor, the uh, the impact was... uh, very loud and uh, the room was uh, shaking quite a bit. So that's when I decided that uh, something's not right and uh, my wife and I just grabbed our passports and uh, decided to evacuate. The emergency services had uh, reached the uh, uh, venue in a matter of few minutes. Uh, By the time I got downstairs, I could already see uh, people being uh, uh, taken in ambulances to nearby hospitals. And uh, as we got to the lower floors was uh, when the panic really hit us that uh, things are not right. And at that point, I just wanted to get as far away as possible from the building because I wasn't sure about the nature of the explosion. I just wanted to keep my family safe.
5: So. We're hearing that there wasn't just one warning. That was one of the things that I've been quite surprised about tonight, that actually there were multiple warnings. We've got a timeline of those warnings. April 4th, apparently a government official says that they first heard from international uh, intelligence agencies that there might be a group in the country planning attacks. April 9th. The Defence Ministry here spoke to the police. April 11th, the police spoke to the heads of security at the Judiciary and the Diplomatic Security Division, it's thought, and no-one told the Prime Minister or the Cabinet, and none of those people or those agencies acted. So I think there are going to be a lot of questions about how all of this information, all of this intelligence, which was pretty on the money, by the way, they said that it was going to be an attack on churches, so it was quite specific why none of that was acted upon sooner. Big, big questions here, Kimberly.
0: Wow. Thank you, James, for all of those updates and um, stay safe. So, guys, here at home, uh, we're seeing a direct response to those attacks in Sri Lanka with heightened security at churches around the country. So our chief national affairs correspondent, Tom Yamas, is at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York with more. Tom?
1: Kimberly, there's no mistake in the security presence outside of landmarks like St. Patrick's Cathedral here in Midtown Manhattan. You can see the police crews are right there. The barricades are up and officers are posted outside of the entrance. This as parishioners who showed up to St. Patrick's on Easter Sunday after those Sri Lanka attacks saw NYPD officers in full tactical gear, their arms on their weapons. They're taking no chances because in Sri Lanka, both Christians and tourists were targeted. Now, there's no specific U.S. credible threat right now that we know of, but we know that officers in both Los Angeles and uh, New York have been briefed, and also they've stepped up patrols. We also have to remember, just last week here at St. Patrick's, there was a, a man police say was emotionally deranged, who tried getting in with two gas canisters and lighter fluid. Luckily, he was stopped. Uh, we also have to remember that right now it's sort of the, the religious holiday season, Uh, Passover is still ongoing. Ramadan starts in May and terrorists do like to target these gatherings because of the large number of people, but also because of the symbolism. Police say if you see something, say something. Kimberly, back to you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Time. Um, We're going to move on to Washington. The Mueller report is still on the top of the minds of congressional Democrats. And today is the first day the DOJ is allowing some lawmakers to see a less redacted version of those 448 pages. So I want to go to Rick Klein, who's in our D.C. bureau. Um, Rick, uh, who's looking at the report this morning, specifically?
3: There's one Republican that we know of who has availed this opportunity, Congressman Doug Collins. uh, Republican from New York, who's the the ranking Democrat on the Oversight Committee, he is the only one who's looking at that, because the Democrats have said they don't want access to this until all members of Congress have access. They have already sought to subpoena the Mueller report in its entirety, and the Democrats trying to make a stand that they believe this is a politically motivated uh, means of access. But it is notable that, for the first time, people outside the Justice Department, including at least one member of Congress, have the opportunity to read the entire report.
0: Yeah, and so this has been going around a lot, and I just want to ask you, is is impeachment really on the table? Is it something they're looking to do later? Is it something that we're thinking that they're going to start proceeding to do now?
3: It is on the table, but it's kind of off to the side on the table. Uh, Democrats are actually going to be meeting today via conference call. They're spread around the country as part of a holiday week to determine their next steps. And it is among the things that they're talking about, impeachment. But it isn't first and foremost in their mind. First, they want to see the full report. They also want to have uh, Attorney General Barr and Mueller himself testify before Congress. They want to see what else they can learn in their own investigations before pursuing anything close to impeachment. Uh, I still think it's a long shot that there's actual formal impeachment proceedings, much less anything to be successful. Uh, But they are still talking about this and they're getting some significant pressure, including from some 2020 candidates to to go down this road.
0: Yeah. So speaking of that, um, another candidate talking about impeachment is candidate number 19 in this uh, 2020 race, uh, Seth Moulton. So I want to go to some sound from him on GMA this morning.
1: I DON'T THINK IT'S THE RIGHT TIME TO HAVE A VOTE ON IMPEACHMENT UNTIL WE GET ALL THE EVIDENCE OUT THERE. BUT WE SHOULD BE HAVING THIS DEBATE AND, FRANKLY, WE SHOULD HAVE BEEN HAVING IT STARTING LAST YEAR. I I THINK OUR PARTY MADE A MISTAKE BY WAITING UNTIL THERE WOULD BE SOME SMOKING GUN IN THE Mueller REPORT AND THERE'S NOT A BIG SMOKING GUN LIKE WE WERE HOPING FOR.
0: CAN YOU TELL US A LITTLE BIT MORE ABOUT SETH Moulton?
3: Yeah, 40 years old, uh, from the Boston suburbs of Salem, Massachusetts, Uh, known as something of a giant killer because he beat a longtime incumbent to come to Congress uh, two terms ago. Uh, He tried to take on Nancy Pelosi, actually, and failed in that quest to try to oust her uh, after the last election cycle. Uh, Instead, he is determined to do this. He he served a couple of tours of Doherty in in Iraq. He has a couple of Harvard degrees as well. He was one of the Hill magazines or Hill newspapers' most beautiful people a few years back. Uh, So he's gotten a reputation as uh, as, as a bit of a rabble-rouser. all as someone that is uh, very intent on using his military background. He boosted a whole bunch of candidates around the country who had military experience. And I think that's one piece of it that he is hoping to take into an election against Donald Trump is that background of having served in in duty in Iraq.
0: Yeah. And and just curious, um, your thoughts, Rick, what do you think of this crowded race? I mean, where We're uh, constantly getting uh, new announcements by the day, so what do you think, 19 already, and probably maybe one or two more?
3: Yeah, we're gonna be north of 20 by the end of the week. We do expect Joe Biden, the former vice president, to jump in as well. Uh, He might be a front-runner, but probably is in as weak a position as any front-runner in modern memory because of the the, the depth of this field. It's extraordinarily diverse in terms of age, ethnicity, uh, background, gender, sexual orientation even. So there's all these firsts that are animating this field, and that's just part of the reason that it becomes impossible to predict. We're about uh, about six or seven weeks away from the first debate, and it is going to be a, a couple of crowded stages.
0: Yes, for sure. All right, Rick Klein, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, and I want to bring in Jordan Phelps, who's at the White House. Um, Jordan, we've been talking about um, the Democrats looking at this redacted report. How is Trump responding to all of this pressure that they're kind of putting on uh, the everyone to get to the bottom of this?
4: Hey Kimberly. Well, the president has been feeling emboldened and vindicated in the wake of this Mueller report, uh, but we're also now seeing him fighting back. He was on a tear over the weekend on Twitter, tweeting on this topic, uh, and this morning he's continuing that trend. He tweeted just a few minutes ago: "Only high crimes and misdemeanors lead to impeachment. There were no crimes by me, no collusion, no obstruction, so you can't impeach. It was the Democrats that committed the crimes, not your Republican president." Tables are finally turning on the witch. HUNT. So you see the president here really expressing some anger, almost a sense of revenge to get back at those uh, who came after him in this investigation. You keep hearing him say it's time to investigate the investigators. Uh, but Kimberly, while the president might be angered uh, by this talk of impeachment, he's also not shying away. FROM THIS CONVERSATION. POLITICALLY SPEAKING, KIMBERLY, THIS CAN ACTUALLY BE A POLITICALLY ADVANTAGEOUS FIGHT FOR THE PRESIDENT. HE KNOWS IT'S SOMETHING THAT CAN EXCITE HIS BASE uh, TO COME TO HIS DEFENSE uh, AND ALSO TO CAST DEMOCRATS AS BEING POLITICALLY MOTIVATED. SO ANGERED, BUT CERTAINLY THE president's NOT HELPING THIS STORYLINE GO AWAY MORE THAN ANYONE ELSE.
0: YEAH, SO HE MAY BE ANGRY ON TWITTER, BUT HE HAS SOME KIDS AT THE WHITE HOUSE LAWN TODAY FOR THE EASTER EGG ROLL,
4: RIGHT? Quite the contrast. <laughs> yes. Underway at the White House, Kimberly angry tweets, but then just moments ago he was greeting the Easter Bunny on the south lawn of the White House. So uh, right now there are thousands of children stampeding the president's lawn. Uh, This is the president and first lady's third time hosting this adorable event, but it's been going on for more than 140 years. But as we all know, those adorable images of children balancing eggs on spoons as they attempt to run across the lawn just never get old.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Jordan Phelps, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, guys, we're turning now to uh, some new developments in this crazy story, the murder of two teenage girls in Indiana. They were found dead in the woods back in 2017, and now investigators are announcing they are moving in a new direction. So I want to go to Alex Perez, who's in Delphi, Indiana. Um, Can you just remind us how we got to this point, Alex?
2: Yeah, Kimberly, it has been an unnerving, difficult, emotional two years for people who live in this community. I want you to take a look behind me real quick here. You see that line of people? That's, uh, those are members of the community who have come out because they want to see firsthand this uh, press conference that's coming up with authorities. And if we pull back a little bit, you'll see some of these vehicles here. Uh, we have Indiana State Police, uh, Sheriff, and other law enforcement investigators who have been working on this case for about two years. Now, uh, Abby and Libby, 13 and 14 years old, uh, were found murdered back in 2017, as you said, and since then, authorities have been trying to crack this case, investigating more than 2,000 tips. Libby, investigators believe, may have been trying to help police as all of this was happening to them. On her phone, she was able to snap a picture of the man police believe was their killer. She also was able to record some of his voice. Police released that chilling chilling uh, voice uh, uh, right when this all happened two years ago. Let's take a quick listen to that. Down And it's that little piece of information that the public has been working with uh, for two years now, uh, Kimberly. And we're hoping that authorities today are gonna be able to give us some more specifics as to where the investigation is going right now. Uh, It's been a long time, the case has not been solved and uh, authorities are tight-lipped, so we really don't know where things are going as far as the investigation.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I'm just curious how the families are responding and, and maybe just how tough this has been on the community.
2: I mean, this is a tight-knit area, um, and the families, of course, dealing with something like this, not having any closure, not having any answers has been extremely difficult, extremely emotional for them. Uh, They've said they don't want to get their hopes up because that has happened so many times over the last couple of years, and they've had no resolution to this. Uh, Authorities have said from the beginning that they believe someone saw something that could help them pinpoint whoever did this to the girls. We'll find out, hopefully, uh, pretty soon here at this press conference uh, where the investigation stands as of now. Kimberly?
0: Very sad. Thank you, Alex, for the updates. All right, guys. We're moving over to Ukraine. Uh, Their new president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is a comedian with no political experience. And get this—he plays the president on television, or he did before he won. And he just won in a landslide to the incumbent president. So Patrick Revel was in Kiev when the results came in. Um, Patrick, can you tell us about uh, a little bit about who this guy is? More about him.
7: Yeah. Yeah, his name is Volodymyr Zelensky, and he's a 41-year-old comedian and actor, and he he plays the president on television. He has a show in which he plays a man who unexpectedly becomes president. And now, obviously, he's going to be doing so in real life, because last night he won a landslide victory um, in Ukraine's presidential election. He won 73 percent of the vote against uh, Ukraine's incumbent president, Petro Poroshenko, really just sweeping him away. And so, you know, Ukraine now has is really in 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 a new era with this with this the comedian as their, as, as their president.
0: <laughs> Can you? What was his reaction? His immediate reaction uh, when he when he won. You were there last night. What did he What did he say?
7: Well, so you know, he's a professional entertainer, um, and so he he took it in his stride. I mean, we knew that he was very likely to win because he won a first-round election um, three weeks ago very heavily. Then as well, and polls had just shown him so far ahead that there was really no, it seemed like there was no chance of uh, of Petro Poroshenko catching up. But when you know, he, he basically firstly he played the theme tune of his show in which he plays the president. He played that to enter the room, and then he, as the uh, as the the count came in, he counted down to five leading everyone along, and, you know, he he, he just sort of smiled, really, uh, and and just took it in his stride.
0: Very unbelievable. I'm sure that was a fun moment, and I think it'd be pretty cool to have a comedian as president. So, Patrick, thank you so much. Um, Enjoy. All right, guys, love him or hate him, Kanye West is a genius, so he's been, pre- uh, been performing these high-energy, soulful sets called Sunday Service since January, and over the weekend, he did it at Coachella, so take a listen. I'm
2: these souls of yours. It's weirdly, almost nearly extinct. We rappers as role models, we rap, we don't think. I ain't here to argue about his facial features. We're here to confirm atheists, it's a believeless. I'm just trying to say the way school teaches the way Catholic.
0: All right. If you were streaming from home, then you were watching it. You saw there through this artistic peephole that everyone was tweeting about. But Gabe Lenners was actually there in Cali in person. So Gabe, tell us all about it.
8: Kimberly, I literally have chills. Kanye West took us to church out here for his Sunday service, the very first time it was at Coachella. Sunday morning out here and fans loved it. There was a mix of his music and gospel hymns. There was a full orchestra, choir, and then vocalists. A lot of celebrities on hand as well. Kid Cudi, Chance the Rapper even got up there and sang. Kim Kardashian was here. Northwest danced around uh, out here obviously supporting Kanye. Kendall, Kylie, Chloe were here too. Uh, Kanye actually collaborated with Kid Cudi on his set at Coachella the night before and we first started hearing about Uh, these Sunday services in the hills of Calabasas earlier this year when Kim Kardashian would post about them on her social media channels and now today here at Coachella we got the full effect of it just sonically an incredible performance those harmonies were amazing I'm definitely thinking though this should be a staple at Coachella for years to come now I don't know if that's gonna happen but that's just my take on it Kimberly back to you
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna happen, but it's cool to watch it now because he's always coming up with something else. All right, guys, today is Earth Day. It's official on the calendar, but it's really a reminder for us to celebrate and protect the Earth all year and for eternity. And ahead of the celebration, I was able to sit down with a woman who is literally the epitome of peace and connection and love for all of humanity. So take a look. I wanna talk to you about climate change and what your views are on that and what you think the state of our planet is right now. Is it in peril? Do you think it's getting better? Are we at a point where we really need to be making something happen? We are definitely at a point where we need to make something
4: happen. Yes, We are imperiled. Uh, we have a window of time, I'm fairly sure we do. But we've we've got to take action, we've got to have a different...
0: Um, th- a different way of living. But what are things that people can actually do that are tangible okay. daily? Well, what people can
4: do that's tangible is to think about the choices they make every day. What do you buy? Mm-hmm. What do you eat? What do you wear? Where did it come from? How was it made? Uh, did it harm the environment? That's, that's one thing and make ethical choices.
0: Self-awareness, being conscious of your decisions. Being okay.
4: conscious, yes.
0: Yep, that was Dr. Jane Good all. Yes, I'm a fangirl. Okay, guys, if you want to see the full interview, you can see it today at 2.30 on abcnews.com. And speaking of everything being interconnected, check out this photo of two gorillas posing for a relaxed selfie with their park ranger in the Congo. There is so much swag in this photo, I can't take it. Apparently, these gorillas have learned to imitate their caretakers who've looked after them since they were young. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. All right, my friends, continue to take care of yourselves. And if you're around, go ahead and stick around for the briefing room at 3.30 p.m. And then you can check out World News Prime at 8 p.m. And if you want to stay updated on all of these headlines for all of these stories, you can go to ABCNews.com or download the app. I'm Kimberly Brooks, and I'll see you tomorrow.